aisle after aisle of vitamins and supplements plus a healthful grocery store. So stop crying, no matter what the reason, and get healthy and happy at the Health Nut, located in the 5th Street Mall in Sheridan. As we enter the fall months, have you made that plan to market your business? Are you stuck, confused on what to do? Hi, this is Bob Grammons, General Manager at Sheridan Media. Let us help you put a plan in place as we gear up for the holiday season. Sheridan Media can market your business on up to nine different radio stations. We can place your print ad in front of nearly 18,000 households in Sheridan and Johnson County with the Country Bounty. Or market your business worldwide through a variety of digital products that we offer. We can also place your ad on our two websites. Let our creative and experienced marketing team put a well-thought-out and professional, comprehensive marketing plan together to connect with your customers on multiple media platforms. No high pressure. Let's tell your story, whether locally or across the country. Call Sheridan Media today at 672-7421 or email sales at SheridanMedia.com and let us go to work for you. Let's talk about tires. Think about the snowy, icy roads ahead. And now think about your current worn-out tires. How safe does that make you feel? Well, lucky for you, Midas Tire and Auto has their best tire sale all year going on now. Buy three tires, get one free. That's 25% off. And the best part is if you aren't ready to put your tires on right now, Midas will hold them until you're ready. How great is that? Don't miss the big tire sale going on now. Midas Tire and Auto on East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Louisa, Darwin, Marissa, Megan, Elena, Izzy, and Zach. These are your 2022 Sheridan Startup Challenge finalists vying for a share of $100,000 to launch their idea. Jessica here from Impact 307 inviting you to the Wild Theater on Tuesday, November 1st at 5.30 p.m. for pitch night. After presentations, eat, drink, and chat with the talent until the winners are announced. It's free, open to the public, and will be live-streamed on SheridanMedia.com. See you November 1st, 5.30 p.m. at the Wild Theater. Are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Dr. Colin Hardy and his team at Atlas Chiropractic are here to help. When your spine is out of alignment or subluxated, the nervous system can't function properly. Spinal misalignments can lead not only to headaches and back pain, but also sleeplessness, chronic tiredness, decreased immunity, and general malaise. Don't wait. Call Atlas Chiropractic today for a free examination and consultation with Dr. Hardy. It's time to spring into a healthier you at Atlas Chiropractic, Sheridan's premier wellness center. Call 672-6000 to schedule your appointment. This is Dr. Colin Hardy with Atlas Chiropractic. Be sure to ask us about our new patient specials. Take the first step to a better you. Call 672-6000. That's 672-6000. Your healing begins when you pick up the phone. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Now, recently, the Sheridan Community Land Trust released its first Sheridan County Water Supply Report. This report contains the latest information on water availability, stream flow, snowpack, drought, soil moisture, and water supply forecasts for the Tongue and Powder Rivers. To talk about this, I am joined this morning by Sheridan Community Land Trust Conservation Program Manager, that's a mouthful, Megan, <laughs> Megan Kent, and Big Sky Watershed Corps member, Leela, Lila, Lila Walker, and Director of Marketing and Development out at SCLT, of course, Mr. Chris Verba. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Great morning, Floyd. It is a and, great morning. It's and, a little know, chilly. you know, proving your bender god theory, <laughs> here we are. Absolutely, right? Now, it was a Friday slip. A Friday slip? A Friday slip. Friday yeah. I like how you added yeah. that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Now, uh, for anyone who may not know, what is a watershed? So a watershed is the land surrounding river that water flows down into the river. So it's basically an area of wa- of land that contributes 
water to a certain stream or river. How did you come to study watersheds? Um, I got a geology degree from Whitman College, and I, throughout that process, realized I was really interested in water. Um, and I sort of took a long turn where I worked in an asbestos lab for six months and then decided I wanted to get back into water. And so I came up to Sheridan to do some more work with that. An asbestos lab. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What do you do in an asbestos lab? Well, you take samples of drywall and you peel them apart and look at them under a microscope. It's a I learned a little bit too much about drywall <laughs> and tiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they put her in the tool shed for that. And not in <laughs> your question with watersheds, it's important to remember they are not sheds where mm. you put water. Exactly. Exactly. And and watersheds are extremely important to, to communities throughout the United States. This is essentially where we get our drinking water where everything comes from, right? Exactly. Now, explain just real quick, like the science behind a watershed. When we look at a watershed, because there's a huge watershed project going on over in Buffalo as well, where they're trying to uh, mitigate any fuels that could possibly destroy that shed. Uh, so I think this is, uh, it's, a, it's a years-long plan to cut that back so that if a fire did occur, their water supply wouldn't be contaminated. So how does how would, say, like a fire on the hill affect a watershed? Yeah, so watershed, like pretty much any part of the land is part of a certain watershed. Um, and I think what you're talking about is fires um, remove a lot of the um, plants holding dirt onto the hillside. And so when you do that, you have a lot more material and sediment from the fire and from the hillside itself that get into the water and can make it harder to create clean drinking water um, since a lot of the sources for drinking water are up in the mountains. So you, if you get a fire, um, the water utilities are very worried about um, what sort of, what might come down into the river from the fire area. Absolutely. Ash and, and God knows what else could be produced up there. Now, how did this report come about? Who sat down and said, you know what? We need something that basically just gives us all the information at once. Mm-hmm. I think that we were focused on how we could help improve watershed health and drought resiliency in Sheridan County. And so we did a survey of the community members to sort of figure out where Sheridan Community Land Trust could best put our energy and efforts into helping them. And one area we found was that accessibility of data and information would be really helpful. Um, And so we decided to put together a report that brings together a whole bunch of resources um, to help farmers and community members better be aware of water in Sheridan County and make decisions based around water. I mean, how valuable is this information? to a farmer and a rancher to be able to go to one report and get information regarding just about anything having to do with water that you could ever want. How long did this take to really develop? Um, I think the report itself took a couple of months, but we have been working for about a year and a half to get to this point. Um, so I think I, I worked really hard to try to find good resources and reliable resources to put in the report. Um, Absolutely. Well, and Floyd, on top of that, you know, as Lila's speaking about a year and a half of work going into this, you know, there were a couple of predecessors to Lila as well. You know, if you recall Maggie DeFazi we had last year, and she's actually working up for Big Sky Watershed Corps right now. So she continued on with that organization and is actually – helping oversee Lila's work down here. So it's been a really nice continuation and and kind of the, the through thread throughout the entire project has been, you know, we're not trying to take uh, an idea and put it on the community. We're actually going out to our community and asking them, hey, how can we help you? What What information would be helpful for you? What do you know? What don't you know? What would you like to know? And so that whole process has involved, like, community surveys. Uh, you know, like, I remember this spring, if you recall, when we had uh, the Tongue River Reservoir meetings in the mm-hmm. spring because Montana was going to call their share. You know, I went to that meeting. I handed out surveys to everybody. 
We use data from that. I spent some time at the Mayfly this spring talking to folks there. We've given them out at third Thursdays. We've had people answer them on our website from a whole lot of sources, right? And so as that information got compiled together, we were able to see some patterns like what Lila's been talking about. And now here is the initial fruit of all of that labor. Absolutely. Really good time in harvest, right? You yeah, it really that. is. It really is. Like, like, where are your sources? Where do you get the majority of this information from? Are there government agencies that keep track of this stuff? Yeah, so a couple of the places we've gotten information from is NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency. Um, they have a climate prediction center that puts out a lot of great, great information um, we also have some snowpack and precipitation data from the USDA slash NRCS. Um, and then there's a website called drought.gov that has a, um, a bunch of good information compiled by like NIDIS, which does some drought um, drought information. They gather some information about drought and put that all together. So there's a lot of different agencies out there that's putting a lot of work into creating resources but it can be hard to find oh yeah 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 as someone who has to do a lot of research i can tell you that it gets to be a bit of a pain to sit there and go okay where am i going to get this information from where am i going to get that even just as a reporter myself having this report i mean the potential for news stories is amazing i can give reports on droughts i can i can tell people where to go to find various information uh, I mean, I think everybody appreciates all this work that's been put into this thing. And would you say year and a half? Huh? Right? And now, and now, Floyd, into your e- emails inbox once a month, we can deliver you a one-stop shop for all of those fantastic news stories that would benefit folks here in the Sheridan Media Land, right? Yeah. Now, Sheridan County, some of Johnson County, because this covers the Tongue River uh, drainages as well as the Powder River drainages because that's what drains our area, right? So this is important for everyone on the eastern slope of the Bighorns and and really as you move out into the eastern part of the county. Now, absolutely, we have a fun fact for you. What's that fun fact? Lila, <laughs> how are we doing with drought right now? Oh, um, right now for we're we're in the best situation we've been in for drought for two years, which is exciting. Um, it's pretty local, but um, as far as like drought coverage, Sheridan County is in a good place right now. As we're going into the winter, yeah. Uh, so we're sitting kind of pretty. Um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, we never know what's going to happen yeah. when it comes to the winter. We're looking for a great snowfall, uh, but uh, we can never guarantee that, can we? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, Lila, if I sit down with this report, what am I going to see? Um, so what you're going to see first and foremost is on the first page is the U.S. Drought Monitor, which gives you a really great overview of um, drought and water conditions overall in the entire U.S. We focus mostly on Wyoming, of course. Um, but if you look at one resource, this is a very good broad overview. Um, and then we also have some snowpack data, some precipitation data. Um, these are good for irrigators and just people who are growing crops and land to just know how much water is out there. Um, and we have both forecasts and past because when you ask people, it's good to know what has been happening in the last month, but people also are just very curious about like, that's good, but what what about the future? What can I expect? Exactly. Right? Yeah. And there's always uncertainty that needs to be taken into account when you look at these predictions, but um, it can sort of help you get a general idea what might happen. We were talking about margin of error on Friday's show. There's always a margin exactly. of error. Yeah. 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 And so people definitely need to be aware of that when they're looking at these the predictions, but they're very good resources. It's the have. best information available. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if we're going to make a prediction, this is how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, and then some other things we have are stream flow, temperature, and precipitation. Um, and if you're curious about any of them, I can explain why they might be important when looking at water supply and drought. Um, Please do. Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, as you might imagine, high temperatures and low precipitation um, cause 
not only there to be less water available, but more evaporation and plants will actually use more water and evapotranspiration rates. And so knowing how hot it is, if it's above or below normal and how much rain you've got sort of tells you short term, like how much water is being used. Um, and then we also have soil moisture, which is really interesting because um, soil moisture sort of soils take a while to dry out and moisten. And so they sort of are, and they are also like the direct source of plants, like plants use the moisture in the soil. So it sort of buffers improvement and degradation and also is exact like where the plants pull from. Um, so we have some soil moisture there, which is really interesting. Um, and then we have some stream flow and some reservoir storage where if you're an irrigator or you just have land around a stream, it might tell you like what the conditions look like there. And then, as I said before, we have snowpack, which is um, because the big the big horns in the system is um, a snowpack run system. So the snowpack in the winter really tells you how much water is going to be coming down the mountains in the spring. And we're very reliant on that. Um, and so our local NRCS office also puts out and has been putting out for a while a local snowpack report. Um, and that's another great resource to look at um, and is one of our inspirations for starting this. Um, and then precipitation is if you aren't irrigating, how much water might you be getting? Uh, in general? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, now, if I was if I was a listener out there mm. and I'm like, boy, this sounds great, where can I find it? So if you go to SheridanCLT.org, um, we have a web, we have a, um, sorry. Go to SheridanCLT, like communitylandtrust.org forward slash water. And on that page, you will see a, you can click a button to download the monthly report. So our next report's going to come out probably after the first week of November. So you'll be able to get that. It'll be there. There's also a button that takes you to a form where you can sign up to get on that list each month, and we'll send it right out to you first. Great. I so think, Chris, I, think I know where you might want to go, yeah, Floyd. This, right after this, <laughs> this is once a month. Then, yeah, this is a month. This is a monthly one-stop shop report. Now, some of that data that's in this month's report might not be in there every month because some of that data isn't released each month, but the totality of the report will be there and we're going to make it as easy as we can for you to be able to get that report and get your hands on that information. You know, it's important clearly for folks uh, in the ranching and agricultural community, but it's also important for folks like me who like to recreate. I want to know, I want to know stream levels. Yeah, exactly. Sportsmen and anglers. And especially, or if you're taking advantage of, our absolutely fantastic Tongue River Water Trail with its 14 access sites throughout the county. Or, you know, if you, uh, especially that Snowtail report can be really helpful for folks who are going up and doing a little bit of backcountry skiing in the winter. I And, you know, as we talked about soil moisture, it's real important for folks who are gardening or doing anything out in their yards to plan because, you know, the unfortunate side effect is in this arid climate we have, as that temperature goes up, boy, that ground's going to dry out awful quickly because, boy, it's just sun beating down on it as we experienced this summer, right? And thankfully here in our region, we got some real timely rains to help out with that. But overall, I mean, you saw another hot, dry summer, especially once July took hold. Oh, but yeah. But hey, and, and you know, interestingly... Uh, as we'll talk about here pretty soon, the deer have been moving out of the big horns and back down uh, a little bit later this year than they had in previous years. And maybe that might be connected to us having a pretty dang warm fall so far. I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. More with the Sheridan Community Land Trust. Stick around. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. and financial money management isn't just about dollars and cents it's about dreams and opportunities and more importantly family 
We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Hi, I'm Michael Lansing, and I'm running for the trustee of the Sheridan County School District Number 2. To set the record straight and stop any rumors, I am not the attorney suing the school district. However, I have represented teachers, parents, school districts, and students around the state of Wyoming in various school matters. I am running to ensure all voices are heard. I will push for public comment and build back public trust in a civil matter. We are a great school district. I will strive to make it even better. I am pro-teacher, pro-parent, and most importantly, pro-student. Paid for by the candidate, Michael Lansing. Plan to attend the Caliph Shrine Christmas Bazaar this weekend at the Shrine Temple in Sheridan. Sale hours are 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Enjoy shopping and lunch with Indian tacos and pie for just $15. They'll have hourly door prize drawings, and you'll want to purchase raffle tickets for a custom-built fly rod and reel, a custom-tooled leather satchel, a Ligurski meat certificate, or a Visa gift card. The Caliph Shrine Christmas Bazaar, this Saturday, 8 to 2, at the Sheridan Caliph Shrine Temple. Ever feel like the Republicans' only job is to lose gracefully? We're left with record inflation and the sexualization of our kids. Maybe you're fed up. I'm Ken Pendergraft, Republican for House District 29. I need your vote to help end politics as usual. Paid for by the committee to elect Ken Pendergraft to House District 29. I am Ken Pendergraft and I approve this message. You should too. As we enter the fall months, have you made that plan to market your business? Are you stuck, confused on what to do? Hi, this is Bob Grammons, General Manager at Share to Media. Let us help you put a plan in place as we gear up for the holiday season. Share to Media can market your business on up to nine different radio stations. We can place your print ad in front of nearly 18,000 households in Sheridan and Johnson County with the Country Bounty. Or market your business worldwide through a variety of digital products that we offer. We can also place your ad on our two websites. Let our creative and experienced marketing team put a well-thought-out and professional, comprehensive marketing plan together to connect with your customers on multiple media platforms. No high pressure. Let's tell your story, whether locally or across the country. Call Sheridan Media today at 672-7421 or email sales at SheridanMedia.com and let us go to work for you. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by Eliason Financial. This morning, I am with Sheridan Community Land Trust Conservation Program Manager, Megan Kent, Big Sky Watershed Core member, Lila Walker, and Director of Marketing and Development out at Sheridan Community Land Trust, Mr. Chris Berba. Now, recently, the Land Trust has been holding fence-removing gatherings. That's right. These friendly fencing projects are part of the Bighorn Fence Initiative, which includes the Sheridan Community Land Trust and Mule Deer Foundation of Wyoming. It removes key barriers to wildlife movement across pastures. Now, uh, you sent me some information regarding this uh, Doe 184. Chris... Who and what is Doe 184? Well, Doe 184 is a pretty special deer, if for no other reason than I happened to bump into her about a month ago. So as we were trying to adjust a picture there uh, for our viewers online. There you go. (laughs) I bumped into her while I was up fishing along the North Tongue. Uh, She was over near Bull Creek. And as I have happened to do each summer... Uh, when I see a collar on them, I always take a picture, and I get a hold of the lead researcher, Carrie Kyle, down at the University of Wyoming, and I go, hey, Carrie, I found this deer. Can you tell me a little bit about her? And Doe 184 is actually particularly special because Doe 184 is one of six deer in the collar survey with confirmed parentage. Uh, she's actually the fawn of... Doe 199, who had been collared earlier, and in fact, Doe 184 and her mother, Doe 199, uh, were first collared near Horse Mesa, southwest of Shell Canyon, on March 5th, and uh, they spent 
they traveled up the mountain to their summer range. And interestingly, they spent most of the summer apart. But we just found out, in fact, I got the email from Carrie this morning, uh, that Doe 184 and Doe 199 regrouped with each other on October 10th and moved back down to an area near Horse Mesa at Hideout Creek, uh, reached their winter range together on October 14th. Uh, so that was a total movement of 13 miles. And uh, it will be interesting to see. Hopefully both of them survive the winter. And uh, interesting to find out how their movements might go next summer. Do they spend time apart? Do as Deer 184, uh, you know, becomes fully adult? Uh, uh, you know, does she wind up hanging around her mom, you know, when she has fawns of her own? I am not a deer biologist by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, I also have an interesting addendum to that, too. And you heard me allude to we've seen deer moving uh, back out of the mountains uh, a little bit later this year. Uh, last summer, I spotted uh, Doe 37. And this year, she moved back down to winter range again outside Dayton. Uh on October 14th and got there on October 18th, which she was moving in like September 24th, 25th, each of the past two years. So substantially longer this season. Now what caused that would only be my speculation. Now but all, it's a, all of this is, is about, it's all part of the Northern Bighorns mule deer movement study. Uh, Megan, can you, Tell me what this is. Yeah, so the Northern Bighorns Mule Deer Movement Study, I believe it's been going on about two, two and a half years now. So it started before I came here. Um, but the Sharon Community Land Trust and a number of other partners worked with Wyoming Migration Initiative to fund this study looking at mule deer movements in the Northern Bighorns. And why that happened is that there's some studies showing how over by Buffalo and the Southern Bighorns mule deer movements, but we don't, we didn't really know anything about the herd up here. Um, Which is really interesting. We're right in the middle of a migration pathway, aren't we? Yes and no. <laughs> um, so that was part of the study's point, right, was to find out, okay, where is, where is the migration corridor? Where are these animals moving to and from? Where are those really important habitats to protect and to remove barriers to that migration? Um, and luckily, the Wyoming Migration Initiative took on the study. Carrie Kyle, as Chris mentioned, has led it for the last two years and has been very helpful supplying us data. And, and the overall goal of this entire thing is to basically know where we're at in their movements and, and how we can help them get from point A to point B. Exactly. If we're trying to do conservation work to benefit mule deer and we don't know where they are or where is important, we can't really do that work. So that's what the study is allowing us to do is to concentrate those efforts and figure out, once again, maybe there's a bottleneck, right? If with the movement data, if you can see, oh, wow, they're not able to go here, you might see that, okay, that's a, maybe a fence that's stopping their movement. Maybe there's something we can do that doesn't get rid of that fence because it's probably important for, you know, the rancher, the homeowner, but how can we maybe modify it so that the deer are able to access better habitat or more habitat? And tell me these about these fences. Um, friendly fences? What do you call these things? Yeah. So we've been talking about wildlife friendly fences. And so what those are, they can look like a lot of different things, but the major point of them is that they serve their initial purpose so, you know, maybe that's containing sheep, cattle, horses, whatever it is, but they still allow for wildlife to cross them without getting tangled up. So that's going to decrease the number of fence repairs, as well as the number of animals that are getting caught in the fence and dying. Um, generally speaking, that looks like lowering your top wire so that the animal can jump over it easier and raising your bottom wire so the animals can slide under it easier. Now... How can how can regular folk help out with this study? Regular folk, anyone in the community, <laughs> they can help out by coming to, we'll be hosting more volunteer events next summer. Um, we're hoping to do some fence removals. This last summer we did, 
I think four fence removal projects. We removed about three miles of fences. And all of these were places where one was on the Forest Service, the rest were private land. And they were all areas where the landowner or manager had identified, I no longer need this fence. Um, it's not serving a purpose, but it is getting in the way of animals. So let's get rid of it. Um, and having volunteers come out, you get to pull posts, you get to roll wires. We're hoping to do some fence modifications this next summer for those areas where, yeah, the fence really does need to be there, but we can make it easier for them to cross. Um, and we're hoping to host volunteer projects with that. Another thing you can do, um, if you know that maybe you own some land and you've really worked hard to make sure it's good wildlife habitat, you know, you enjoy seeing mule deer on it, you enjoy seeing elk on it, you can look into a voluntary conservation agreement or a conservation easement to make sure that the work you've done is protected and it won't be lost 50 years from now when you're no longer on your land. And that was going to be my next question. So to start that, what do I need to do? To start that, you can contact our office. Um, I am happy to answer any questions about conservation easements and what it might look like on your land. Um, we have a lot of literature on our website as well. We're happy to talk you through that process. Now, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people out there who, who may not fully understand conservation easements are concerned. Where does the ownership uh, become involved in this? And, and am I still allowed to do whatever I want on my own land? I mean, I'm not <laughs> surrendering all rights to you, right? No, absolutely not. So with a conservation easement, you retain ownership of your land. You are still in charge of your day-to-day -day decisions. So, you know, what you're planting, what you're grazing, those sorts of things, those are left to you. Um, who you sell it to, that's left to you. What conservation easement does is you are agreeing to donate or sell your development right to the conservation, or sorry, to the Sharon Community Land Trust. And what that means is that that land that you've, you know, you've really protected the stream, you've protected the wildlife habitat. Maybe you have really great soil that you is productive and makes food for us. That's not going to be turned into houses is basically what a conservation easement does. And you've done quite a few of these throughout the, the community, haven't you? Yeah, we hold conservation easements across the county. Um, I believe we have 11 right now. So it's, it's something that um, I think in 2006, that was basically what we were founded to do was conservation easements. Really? Yeah, so I mean, they, they protect our view shed, they protect our wildlife habitat, they protect our watersheds. It's a really great way to balance the growth of Sheridan with what makes all of us love Sheridan, right? Which is that open spaces around us. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, and now how long does the process take from start to, to finish? Oh man, that's a tricky question. So with a donated easement, um, and with a donated easement, the landowner gets a tax deduction. That can take as little as about a year to a year and a half. There's another route where we actually are able to pay landowners for giving up that development right and that's going to be a longer process. That's going to take probably three to five years. So it's not a quick decision, but considering how long this lasts for, you know, it goes with your land in perpetuity. It's not something you want to rush, and that's why it is a little bit longer process. Protecting land for future generations. Exactly. So that when I step out my door, I'm still looking at the Wyoming bighorns instead of more development, right? Absolutely. Something that I think everybody can agree on. All right. Megan, Lila. Chris, I greatly appreciate you guys coming in today. Um, we've, we've run out of time, but uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing to help preserve the land for the future, preserve our watershed for the future, and be one of the greatest town criers I've ever known. If you've got something, <laughs> you got to make it quick, brother. And, uh, you know, contact Sheridan CLT, like communitylandtrust.org. Megan would love to work on a conservation project for you. You might just get more bang for your buck. You so might. you can fawn over our doze. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Been waiting to crack that jab. <laughs> I like it. All right. When we come back, we're going to speak with the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share it.
Madison Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Having your own business can be overwhelming. Parker Mellinger can make your life easier with our payroll preparation, accounting, and tax services. Our fixed price agreement is set according to your needs and features unlimited phone calls and meetings for one monthly fee. Choose only the services you need and we will tailor them to fit your business. Call today to see how we can provide you with cost-effective solutions. Parker Mellinger, 1811 South Sheridan Avenue, Sheridan. When the roads turn bad, you find out in a hurry if you need new tires. Hi, this is Chris Hayden with Hammer Chevrolet. Come in and let's get a new set of tires on your vehicle and get you safely on your way. We carry brand names like BF Goodrich, Bridgestone, Continental, Dunlop, Firestone, Goodyear, Michelin, Pirelli, Uniroyal, and more. With our price match guarantee, you never have to wait for a tire sale. Provide us with a better price at the time of purchase and we'll match it. Find a better price within 30 days of the purchase and we'll refund the difference. You can't beat our tire price match guarantee from Hammer Chevrolet. Online at hammerchevy.com. When the unexpected happens, you may wonder what's next. Champion Funeral Home can help you through this phase of life. They provide support and personal services while helping you create a meaningful tribute to your loved one. Champion Funeral Home has been locally owned and operated since 1911, providing compassion and care to Sheridan and Johnson County. Visit Champion Funeral Home at championfh.com or call 674-6329. Every four years, the citizens of Sheridan County have the opportunity to vote on the county's general purpose excise tax, known as the one cent optional. This tax is used to benefit every community throughout our county on things from social and health services to public facilities and infrastructure, including parks and pathways. For more information on the tax, please contact your elected officials or visit at SheridanCountyOneCent.com and vote on November 8th. Message paid for by Sheridan County. Whether you fill out the community survey, attend a listening session, or just want to hear the preliminary results, we want you. Come to the Community Review Town Hall Meeting on Thursday, November 3rd, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Y.O. Theater Black Box. Your input will help prioritize topics from the survey and listening sessions. Your suggestions will influence where future dollars are spent in Sheridan County. No reservations are needed, just show up. Click on the Thrive 2035 logo on SheridanCounty.com for more information. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Brought to you by our friends out there at Alliance and Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. Founded in 1937, the Wyoming Wildlife Federation is the oldest and largest sportsman's advocacy and conservation organization in the state of Wyoming. Their vision is a cowboy state filled with well-conserved fish and wildlife populations, healthy habitats, and engaged citizens. This morning, I am joined by the Federation's Education Director, Andrea Barb-Connect. Good morning, Andrea. Thanks. Uh, go ahead, sit, uh, pull that mic just right in close to you. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the Education Director of the WWF. Well, like most people, my path wasn't exactly straight. Um, I spent about a decade as a wildlife biologist uh, working various jobs and also uh, worked as uh, a teacher um, at the, from preschool on up to college. Um, so this job really combines both of my passions, science, and you know, getting out there and teaching people really cool stuff. Science. I, I, I love having a scientist to speak <laughs> to, especially a biologist. Uh, I studied a little bit of biology in college. What strategies are employed? by the WWF to promote uh, a Wyoming filled with well-conserved fish and wildlife populations? So as a sportsman's organization, um, we tend to be very practical and pragmatic and common sense about our approach to conservation. Uh, we know that uh, a well-conserved uh, habitat and wildlife is really important to folks across the state, but especially that sportsman's group. So what we do is we do the gamut. We do on the ground habitat projects, and that could be taking down fences and migration corridors, 
or building up streams so that we have great fish populations. We also spend the entire time at the Wyoming State Legislature making sure that everything that gets passed that has to do with wildlife is a good bill as far as we can um, help it be so. Um, we do a huge stuff at the Washington level. Um, our executive director was in Washington, D.C. for the signing of an agreement between the USDA and the state of Wyoming um, that will help reimburse private landowners for uh, migration corridors that go through their property. And that's a pilot program that could be employed throughout the nation if it works well in Wyoming. So we really run the gamut. We were just talking with the Sheridan Community Land Trust over that uh, same issue and how some folks around here have taken the steps to conserve that migration corridor and the studies that are going on, which mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, your organization is a part of all of that, aren't Absolutely. you? We've been working with the state as they go through the corridor designation process, creating that process, and then getting those corridors designated so that we can make sure, at least on public lands, um, and now we're bringing in those private lands, that those animals are able to move across the landscape and we have healthy populations. And essentially, these migration corridors have been around since, holy cow. Since we've had animals. <laughs> since we've had animals. Uh, we just happen to kind of get in their way here and there. And so we're uh, getting back to helping them out. Now, what are the duties and the responsibilities of an education director at the Federation? Well, the fun thing about working for a nonprofit is that I sort of get to create my own job. Oh, that is um, cool. So we do uh, adult education. We have a Wildlife on Tap series in a couple of um, uh, cities. We have right now Lander and Jackson. We'd love to expand it, but that's where we get experts to come in and just have a casual chat in a bar uh, about their work. Uh, then we go down to we work with schools, um, and our work with schools um, includes creating wildlife-based curriculum that gets kids outside and that has relevance for them. Because Wyoming's such a small state, they don't really need to learn about whale migrations when they have this amazing, like, mule deer migration that's 120 miles long right here in their own state. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We, we love to make things relevant. And we, we want to work it in so that the teachers don't have to go outside of all of these huge requirements that they have to teach the kids. So we want to make it both relevant to the kids, relevant to Wyoming, and also, you know, keeping with those state standards so that the teachers can meet their responsibilities to the kids. And then we work directly with kids. We do summer camps across the state. Oh, get, really? Yep. We get kids outside, get them playing outside, um, having those positive experiences and gaining those positive skills that will make them lifelong um, outdoors people and lifelong uh, advocates for all of these uh, natural areas. Andrea, you know, going into the biology sciences, I can understand that you, you had that natural curiosity regarding life and, mm -hmm. and the fascination with that. How amazing is it that you can now share that with kids regarding things that are right outside of their window that, you know, cause like you said, a lot of places I want to teach you about the whale migration. Okay. Well, that's great. I myself, 42 years old, have never seen a whale in the wild. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen one and you know, caged up, but I've never seen one in the wild deer. They're right out, literally right outside my door eating pumpkins. Yep. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I love this idea that we're getting kids engaged right here where they live to appreciate the life that's mm -hmm. right outside of their door. Now, tell me what brought you here to Sheridan then. So this week in Sheridan, we're doing a couple of uh, really exciting projects. Um, we have three elementary schools who have volunteered to be our pilot for putting in native gardens in school grounds. So we have, we just finished doing our final planting of sagebrush and sage prairie species, uh, grasses and flowers, and those will come up in the spring. And then we have a series of lesson plans that the teachers can use to just take those kids out there and experience right in their own backyards, all of these really cool Wyoming species. Um, having kids bust out, even though we have great natural resources, it's really hard to get a bunch of kids on a bus. It's expensive. It takes a lot of time. And being able to just go out their back door 
and take all of the logistics out of that means that those teachers can teach more about those Wyoming plants. That's fascinating. How many schools have you been able to work with? So we've got three schools that we're working with, um, Cawthon, Meadowlark, and Woodland Park um, all have gardens now. Have you explored uh, discussions within other districts, uh, this great kind of pilot? Yep. So now that we've got our pilot project underway, um, we're going to start offering it to schools across the state. And so Sheridan will be our model for just expanding this great project. Andrea, who developed this idea? Uh, I did. Oh, you did. That's, that's absolutely amazing. What, what brought it about? You were like, you know what? I just want kids to be able to experience it yep. right here. Yeah. So we had been working with a lot of teachers who are doing you know, they want to get their kids out doing stuff. Um, and we were working on an invasive species curriculum because invasive plant species and um, aquatic invasive species, you know, they're always in the news because they're a big problem for Wyoming. And it was very difficult for the teachers to get out and have like a field day with their students because it just takes so much logistic. COVID didn't help, but it yeah. takes so oh, much logistics. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that really got the ball rolling on. They need something that they can just like walk out their back door and use. Cause I mean, that's really science. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. We have to study the stuff in books. We got to look back on, on the science that has been done in the past, but mm-hmm. at the same time to actually be a scientist, if we can show kids, this is getting dirty. This is getting in yep. the dirt. You're being outside their science is accomplished. And I think that's a fantastic program. Now, is there a, ch- a science checklist of, of things a kiddo can observe when, when they're doing this kind of thing? Or, or the teacher has the curriculum and, and the decision at the end. This is what we're going to study today. So uh, generally speaking, uh, we work directly with teachers and, and give them um, sort of lessons that they can work in. But we also, you know, try to get information out to families because that's another place where a lot of learning happens. So we do, you know, backyard, backyard scavenger hunts um, and, you know, this is what's happening this time of year. Like in the spring, we talk about uh, fawns and we try to get that out on our, our social media, um, all of those really cool, hey, this is science you can do at home kind of things. Now, uh, what are some plants that we can plant right outside of our house that may Mm -hmm. attract some deer, may attract some Wyoming wildlife, some native plants that we can have (laughs) and and maybe even cut down on the maintenance? So uh, I don't know if folks want to necessarily attract deer to their yard. Sometimes they're trying to keep them out. Exactly, yeah. Um, deer, uh, in the winter tend to be browsers. Um, they love things like choke cherry and bitter brush and rabbit brush. Um, and then when we get into like the, the grasses and the flowers, what we really like to see is all of those different pollinators. Wyoming has more than a hundred different species of bees and folks don't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. Um, so we've got all of these different pollinators that if we plant those native things like bee balm, like showy milkweed, um, like blanket flower, you can see all of these different pollinators right there in your own yard. Now, what are some other techniques that you employ to engage children within Wyoming biology as an educator? So number one is hands-on. We want to get them out there being hands-on. Um, Yes. No, no, I'm I'm giving him signals. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number two is games. Um, We love to teach through games, through learning. Um, You know, that's that's one way we teach about habitat um, through a game called Oh Deer, uh, where they get to pretend to be different aspects of the habitat and then they have to be deer and race to grab that aspect of the habitat. And oh, no, we ran out of water. And then that kid is going, oh, wait, I don't have what I need. And that's a much more visceral and much more you know, active learning than just reading it in a book. Absolutely. It gets kids more involved. Mm-hmm. And I think a memory sets in yeah. with lessons like that. And once that memory is set, well, you remember the lessons that, that go right along with that fantastic memory of running through all your friends trying to get the right resource. Yep. Now, how can parents engage and educate their children in Wyoming while they're out camping or hiking? Mm-hmm. What are some techniques that we can use and to enrich those experiences? 
Well, number one is getting your kids outside. You know, just being out there is so vital and so important. Uh, number two is, you know, I, I'm a parent too, easing off those safety controls and being like, okay, <laughs> you can climb that tree. Let, let's see what's under that log. Um, yeah. So just, you know, letting them really interact and take little risks in that environment um, really helps both developmentally and just um, in their appreciation of what's out there. Andrea, I want to thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for everything that you do and uh, helping to educate our children on the great biology, the life, and the joy that Wyoming provides us every single day. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been great. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share Madison Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. The Sheridan College Alumni Network presents Resilient Leadership, a Leadership Impact Luncheon today from noon until 1. The featured speaker will be Jen Krauss, the Sheridan College Vice President of Student Affairs and Executive Director of the Sheridan College Foundation. The Resilient Leadership Luncheon is just $20 per person or $10 for our Sheridan College alumni. Today until noon until 1 at the Whitney Center for the Arts, Atrium at Sheridan College. Considering a big project and don't know where to begin, Wagner Ranch Services can help. Our experienced staff of engineers and equipment operators can take your project from the design and permitting phase right up through construction and completion. Wagner Ranch Services can design, permit, and construct roads, reservoirs and ponds, excavate foundations, install utilities, and more. We can handle projects big and small from start to finish. Wagner Ranch Services, 13 Industrial Lane. Give us a call at 752-2787. At Stiefel, our focus is on you, your needs, and your goals. You won't be plugged into a one-size-fits-all model. This is Jeff Tomlinson, financial advisor and branch manager at Stiefel. We practice a service model where our clients can share their vision and ask questions. Regardless of your situation, our guidance is driven by your investment needs. Call us at 307-672-3434 to talk about your financial goals. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Desperado Dave here with Sheridan Honda and Power Sports and First Northern Bank Pro Football Pick'em. Here's what happened this week on KROE. Dave Cox, I was looking at the thing this morning. David says Desperado Dave. I thought it said Desperate Dave. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Seven points. Very bad. Trevor was working on that one all day. Yeah. yeah. No, I just saw it about an hour ago and I thought, oh, that's what I thought it said. Well, anyway. He did very James, well. Yeah, 10. I know. I didn't pick Thursday night, but I picked the rest of them. So Who that's why this, you got the star and yep. the 10 wins. That's exactly. Yeah, I mean, probably. But here's the thing. I mean, this is all hindsight. I would have picked Arizona. Oh, whatever. So. whatever. Okay, let's go. Uh, Kansas, your team, the Pack. Okay, I, I'm going to go Packers. Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. <laughs> Loyalty. Yes, I'm yep. loyal. We're live every Wednesday at 740 a.m. on KROE 103. With us for a chance to win. 103.9 FM and News Talk 930. KROE.